Welcome back. My name is Trisha Friedman. I am your host of the show. My pronouns are she and her. On today, we have Ellie Brigida, who is the co-creator of the musical podcast, The Flame. It is available free wherever you get your podcasts from. In the show notes, you'll find links to that show as well as other resources that are mentioned in the episode. I want to highlight how great of an episode this is for anybody who teaches theater, music, or creative writing. Uh, So if that is you, great. If that is not you, but you have teachers, teacher friends who work in those fields, please pause the episode now. I highly recommend you share the link to this episode with them and consider having a listening party. That concept's going to come up a little bit later on in the show. Um, And I also want to mention that for those of you who are listening to the episode and you're thinking, I would love to bring the co-creators of the show uh, in to work with my students, the co-creators of the musical podcast, The Flame, do consider taking on some student workshops. If that is what is interesting to you about this episode, ways to connect with them, to link up to your curriculum, you'll find a contact email for the co-creators of The Flame in our show notes. Now, on with the show. Hi, I'm Ellie Brigida. I am the co-host of Les Hangout, the podcast, and the co-creator of the Flame Musical podcast that we're talking about today. Um, I am a musician, podcaster, singer, recording engineer, all of the above, and general uh, advocate for the LGBTQ community. I love talking about LGBTQ rep in the media. You can find me at Ellie Brigida on all of my socials, and I'm really happy to be here. And we'll be sure in the show notes to link to both of the podcasts that you just mentioned. But today, uh, again, we're going to have a big emphasis on the flame, which takes two words that I love having them together in a sentence, musical podcast, and combines it with the word queer to make it even more magical. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that you're a big advocate for the LGBTQ plus community, and that really comes through with the production team of The Flame. The entire production team is made up of queer people um, in, in an effort, as you've said, to really center queer folks in the making of a queer narrative. Uh, for listeners who might just be learning about The Flame, um, can you sort of give us your in a nutshell of what, uh, you know, again, some some listeners might be thinking, what is a musical podcast? Um, can you can you just sort of tell us a little bit about kind of the in a nutshell version of the narrative without spoilers? Because I also, yes. I still have another, know, another no episode spoilers. to catch up on. <laughs> Great. Thank you. What is a musical podcast? I guess I can answer that first. Um, think cast album combined with an audio drama. So you have dialogue, you have music, you have sound effects. It's very fully immersive in this world that we are living in. Um, But The Flame itself is an eight-episode podcast series. It tells the story of two women, Jamie, I also play Jamie, (laughs) Jamie, who is a queer bar owner, and Sam, who's the woman selling the building the bar inhabits, and the sparks that fly between them. Then we have uh, Jamie's best friend, Heather, and bar regular, Joe, and the other residents of the flame who fight to keep the flame alive. And so we have this whole love story interweaved with let's save this queer space. And I won't give any spoilers besides the fact that we do have a happy ending. That's all I will tell you because that's very important to me. 
That is very important to mention because, uh, you know, listeners of this podcast are in the world of education. And when it comes to queer representation in, uh, you know, in the media, one of the tropes that I know a lot of teachers talk to their students about is how often, if it's a queer narrative, it's going to have a real bummer of an ending. Uh, and, and so, you know, again, that's, that's not a total spoiler, but I think it's a great example of how you're sort of, uh, you know, just getting rid of that trope because it's, it's harmful in many ways. It's not needed in, in so many ways. Um, and, you know, I, what I also love from that educator standpoint is I think looking at the flame almost as a mentor text for teachers who are thinking, you know, how can we give students sort of a great model of, Let's co-create something. You know, you mentioned that the podcast is not just the work of one person. How can we co-create something? How can we bring in musical music? And the, the portability of the podcast for a drama teacher and an English teacher to get together with the music department, maybe even the art department to sort of um, bring this. I just, uh, I mean, I really, obviously I love podcasts, but it's, it's kind of a great summer text to dig into. You can take it with you on a walk. You can listen to it while you're in line at the grocery store. Um, I, again, I just think it really models that what we can do when we collaborate on an artistic project together. And in my mind, it just has that bonus of being, here's some great queer representation. If you've not listened to The Flame yet, we're going to check out a short trailer to give you a little bit more context about the musical podcast that we're discussing today with Ellie Brigida. Hi, I'm Jamie, and I'm the owner of your new favorite LGBTQ bar, The Flame. Here at The Flame, everyone's family. And just like a family, when things get tough, we band together. We'll keep it lit, lit, lit. Don't ever quit, quit, quit. We'll never let the flame go out. Join us every Wednesday at The Flame to hear how I save my bar and maybe just maybe fall in love. The Flame, an original LGBTQ podcast musical starring Jen Colella and Jasmine Savoy Brown, now on the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm slash the flame for more info and to listen and follow the podcast. Um, the Flame, a podcast musical has, uh, you know, again, you've, you've put together a whole team in order to, to get this out there. And I'm wondering if you might talk a little bit more about that process how do you bring a team together um, and get this out there into the world? And I'm wondering if you might speak a little bit about, you know, kind of lessons in collaboration that you have learned along the way of, of putting the flame together. For sure, that is a great question. Um, so Lee and I, so Lee is the co-creator of the flame. She is the composer for the flame. She wrote all the music. Um, she also plays Heather. We have been working together for four years. Um, so the two of us are the co-hosts of Let's Hang Out. So we know that we could work well together. When we decided we're going to make a musical, we said, okay, the two of us could do this, but we need help. <laughs> and so our first step, I guess the first step on lessons and collaboration is know when to ask for help. Know when you cannot do it on your own. And most likely when you have help, it will turn out better. Just like release the reins, help, ask for help. So we asked for help. We talked to Valerie Rose Lohman, who is a BAFTA-nominated voice actress. She also plays Mel in The Flame. And we just had an initial conversation with her to ask, 
how do we do this? Like, how do we hire voice actors? Have you ever done anything like this? And after that conversation, we realized she knew a lot more about SAG-AFTRA, all kinds of casting stuff that we had no clue about. And so we said, Valerie, will you help us? And she joined the team. And so she was in charge of all casting. Um, then our next step was Lee and I were working on all the music. I'm a producer, so I've done, I do all the orchestration, all the arranging for the music. We wrote the story. So we wrote like... We have all these characters. We know where they want to start. We know every single episode what we want to happen, but we need dialogue, right? We need it to to feel natural and we'd never written a script before. So then we reached out to Valerie, who knows more people in the entertainment industry, and she said, all right, I know an incredible LGBTQ writer. And so we reached out to Caitlin. She sent us a spec script for Killing Eve. That was amazing. (laughs) And so we hired Caitlin to do the dialogue. So it's been the four of us as the key, the core creative team for this project. Um, I would say if we do a season two, which we are planning on doing a, a probably a different musical, it won't be in the same world as the flame, but a podcast musical. I would probably want even more people on the team just knowing how much work has gone into this project. Um, But those are our four main people that we had on the team. Um, As far as collaborating, it's gone pretty well with the four of us. I would say like the big pain points have been that it's just the four of us. (laughs) And so, like I said, another lesson is try to get even more people on board if you can. There have been a few other people who have helped in various capacities. Um, I have an assistant music director now, uh, Marissa, who's been helping with all the stuff that my chaotic brain can't handle, like scheduling and (laughs) making sure that everything happens on time. Um, We have a few like associate producers who are helping us get the word out for the show. Um, We have a social media intern who's helping us with our marketing. So there's like all kinds of pieces that that need you need collaborators for, um, for sure. And it has been it has been a journey to to get everything done with such a small team, for sure. I mean that's it's um, great to hear yeah. though because I, I think sometimes in the the world of school you know there's kind of almost this misconception that things that are artistic are just the result of like the one lone genius. Yes, there are lots of geniuses that are all working together um, in different capacities. That's why I'd say like one of my biggest lessons in collaboration is to find people who are, I don't want to say better than you because I think we all bring something very different to the table, but I'd say find people who are different than you and bring different skills to the table that you can really work together to make this thing huge. Um, It's like, it's just, you can't, you're only one person. You can't get everything done. Like no one, not one person is working at a Broadway theater and putting on a musical, you know? And then, I mean, I haven't mentioned this yet, but I'm like, also we have an entire cast. Like the cast are collaborators with us, right? We have eight people who are playing main roles. We have, I think four or five different cameo parts. Um, so there's a there's a large amount of people who have made 
this thing happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I just think that messaging is so important that creativity is collaborative and, you know, on the other end, you've done this really great job of making sure that um, the audience has community as well. Uh, so, you know, the podcast has live listening parties. I think one thing that's come out of the pandemic is artists have gotten really creative in terms of, okay, it might not be the, you know, hundreds of people in the theater, but we still want that consumption of the art to feel collective um, and I know that uh, for folks that sort of, you know, they they have access to Patreon tickets, they get even more uh, access to kind of some of the behind the scenes things. I'm wondering if you can just share a little bit about that visioning you had for making sure that even though folks weren't coming to a quote unquote live theater, they still had a community experience and opportunities to engage as part of a collective uh, when they're listening to The Flame. For sure. Community has always been the most important thing to Lee and I with Let's Hang Out. And we've brought that to the flame. Um, the community helped us make this thing. We did a really successful crowdfunding campaign to even make this. So there were over 300 people who donated to support our cast and crew. Um, so for us, that's one of the first things we're thinking about. I mean, we make the thing. <laughs> and really, number two is how are we going to get the community involved and make them feel as though this musical is just as much theirs as it is ours. Because we're not making it for ourselves. I mean, I am making it for myself in the sense that I'm making it for, like, the LGBTQ person in me who wants to see happy endings happen. I want to see positive LGBTQ reps. So I'm making it for me, but I'm also making it for the people who are going to be listening to it. I want them to feel joy. And yes, selfishly, it's like once you've made this whole thing, I want to see you experience the joy because like I have this vision in my mind of, okay, I'm here sitting by myself, especially with the podcast musical, right? We're, we're hoping one day we could get it to a stage. But for now, it's a podcast, right? I'm sitting alone in my room working on this. And I'm grinning from ear to ear, like, this is so good and cool. But I have this vision in my brain of, okay, I want to see someone else's face feel that joy. Um, so that was a big thing for us. The listening parties were a very easy way for us to do that. Every Wednesday, we have a Zoom listening party. We have a varying number of people there, but we usually have a pretty good amount of people there. A lot of people we see week after week, which is really great to see the same people and then you get to build a personal relationship with them as well. Um, but yeah, that's always been very important to us because we're not creating this art in a vacuum. We're creating this art for other people. So I want to be able to look at that person and be like, did you like it? Like That part was really cool, right? And then we can talk about it. Um, so from a selfish standpoint, it's very rewarding to get to see the fruits of our labor affect someone else. Um, but also I just think it is really, um, it's just a positive experience as for the LGBTQ community to come together and experience this thing together, especially when we have listeners from all over the country, all over the world who might not have a lot of other LGBTQ people near them. Like they're not going to maybe sit in someone's living room and listen together, but they get to come to this zoom party and feel that sense of community there as well. Yeah, again, it's just such a great modeling of of building community and 
quite a number of listeners of this podcast uh, work in international education. And I think, again, it's a great modeling because many students in, in schools um, at international schools, their friends or their family are not necessarily in their host country. Mm-hmm. And again, I just think this is a great mentor text to kind of look at and think they've been so intentional with creating an experience with tools that are, you know, are fairly accessible. So I, I just think from that lens too, um, it's such an interesting podcast for teachers to dig into this summer. Um, and you've mentioned, uh, you know, your connection to the other podcast, Les Hangout, which, uh, you know, looks at LGBTQ plus representation in the media. And I'm wondering in what ways the flame has been influenced by the portrayal of, of queer people in the media, um, or even if you want to look specifically at the character of Jamie, and if there are any other characters or any other storylines that, um, you know, you're thinking like that must have been on the back burner to some extent in uh, just helping that character come to fruition. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, LGBTQ rep is why we made the flame, Lee and I. We've been talking about LGBTQ representation for the past four years on our podcast. And the thing is, we we complain about a lot of things, right? And we're like, okay, we, we hate these tropes. Like, I'm, I don't know if everyone's heard of barrier gays. There's this whole thing about barrier gays where gay characters were getting killed off on TV shows and ridiculous numbers. It was brought to the attention of a wider audience and it's sort of slowed down, but there's still so many tropes. There's, uh, there's a statistic. Only 5% of all LGBTQ stories on TV have a happy ending. 5%. So 95% of the media that we are consuming as LGBTQ people tells us that our lives are sad and miserable. Like that's horrible. So that in particular really impacted our decision to write a story that was happy in general. Um, To write a musical was more that Lee and I love musical theater. We've been in it for our whole lives. Um, And musicals are just, for the most part, you know, happy, fun. Um, In terms of characters, I feel like we were influenced more by what we didn't want to do than what we did want to (laughs) do, if that makes sense. So for example, um, I mean, if we wanna talk about Jamie, Jamie's character is very, is almost more influenced by by heteronormatives uh, society in a a way. I feel like Jamie is our like Disney princess character. She's like though someday my prince will come except it's a princess, you know, like the song maybe today that we sing, that I sing in episode one. It is very much like longing for love and wanting someone to to love her and care about her. Um, And so that's influenced by that. But I feel like a better character to think about that we really were more intentional about um, is Heather, who's Jamie's best friend. Um, So Heather's character is actually aromantic. And I don't know if you like would even catch that yet from what you've listened (laughs) to. but we were very intentional about that because there's not a lot of aromantic representation. We wanted Jamie and Heather to be like two sides of the coin, right? Where Jamie is wanting love so badly. All she wants is to be loved and to find a girlfriend. 
and Heather just doesn't really care about that, but she cares about her friends. She cares about, she, she has her own like business. You'll see, it's not a huge spoiler, but she makes her own beers. And so there's this whole thing about Heather and her business. And, you know, she cares deeply about the people around her, but she doesn't need a relationship. Right. And so there's, there's, we really wanted to make Heather, um, you and I'm, I'm giving you too many spoilers, but not really. There's a song in episode <laughs> six that you're, that you will listen to. That is an entire song that Heather sings called happy with me. So we, we wanted it to be both subtle and then very clear <laughs> that Heather is a romantic. We're not just like, oh yeah, she is. And you have to search for it. There's an entire song talking about her being happy with herself. Um, but but I think we were, we were influenced most by what don't we see and what do we want to see? Um, even like in terms of diversity, Jasmine Savoy Brown, who plays Sam, we were very, like we very much wanted Sam to be a black actress. So we cast Jasmine. I mean, we cast Jasmine because she's fantastic as well, but we were very intentional about the diversity of our cast. We have um, a trans man, Jesse Nowak, who is actually playing a, a cis man in the musical, um, which we also felt was really important for trans rep of like trans men can play any man they want. You know, they don't only have to play trans men, like trans men are men, therefore they can play cis men, they can play trans men. Um, so there's all kinds of things that we were th thinking about in terms of portrayal of queer people in the media um, that heavily, heavily influenced pretty much every aspect of our of our show. Yeah, and you know, it's, again, it's fantastic to see that. I was recently uh, listening to an episode with uh, professor and author Jane Ward, who has written a book called "The Tragedy of Heterosexuality," and she talks a lot about the the main narratives that we see about LGBTQ plus people, and that the dominant narrative is that if you could, you would opt to not be queer. That it's oh gosh, mm -hmm. it's like this terrible thing that's been. Uh, you know, done to me. And if I could snap my fingers and wish it away, I would wish it gone. And, you know, she says as a lesbian, she's like, I would choose to be a lesbian. She's like, you know, the lived experience that I have and that a lot of my lesbian friends have had is that it's wonderful being lesbian. Like, you know, there's yeah. a lot of autonomy in uh, her relationships. And uh, she talks a lot about how in some ways, because our story hasn't been told in the media, you get to decide what you want your relationship to be about. It's not all of the weight that heterosexual couples deal with where, you know, there's a defined role for the woman, there's a defined role for the man. And um, it's really interesting thinking about that in light of what the flame is doing, um, you know, because Jamie is a fun loving, I mean, it's, it's a musical comedy. So even just that, like she is not uh, a lesbian who hates being a lesbian. Um, yes. I mean, none of the characters, I don't think any of our characters hate being less. <laughs> like, I mean, if you think about Joe's character, and I think that's also why we, we wanted to set it in an LGBTQ bar. I don't know if that's necessarily influenced by other media, but it's definitely been influenced about by my experience and the other people on our team's experience of like, if you go to an LGBTQ bar, there is so much joy there. 
Like I'm so happy to be in these spaces, right? And happy to have all of these friends who share the same experience as me. And so we have Joe, who's this bar regular who loves that she's gay, is very open about it, is very like forward with Mel, who she's hitting on at the bar. She's like, she wants everyone to know who she is. I think there's like, yeah, there's a line where she's like, um, that's the only straight thing about me, if you were wondering. And Mel's like, I was not wondering. It's very <laughs> obvious that you are. But it's like within three lines of Joe talking, she's like, I want you to know this thing. Um, we do have a little bit of a coming out storyline with Sam um, because I do think like, while, while we don't necessarily want coming out to be our only storyline, we also are, are aware that that is a thing that is difficult for some people in our narrative, right? There's there's like one character out of eight who's struggling with coming out to her, her family, right? And that's valid and that's a narrative that we wanna tell, but it's not every single person's experience. I could yeah, go forever I, on representation, <laughs> sorry. Right. I was like, go, go. No, 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 it's great. And that's, you know, again, I think just, it's a great text for, you know, for teachers of, of English to pick this up and look at how this deviates from a lot of those tropes that you mentioned about queer narratives. Um, I really kind of feel like it flips almost every single one of them. So it's a, it's a great mentor text for that. Uh, and it's a, it's a great mentor text, I think, for student writers and performers. So for teachers who are looking to encourage students to really take their ideas, get them out there, what advice might you have for students who are aspiring to follow in your footsteps? I would just say make things as much as you can and don't be afraid to fail. I feel like there's a huge, you have, right? You have the creator and you have the editor. Try your best as much as you can to get rid of the editor while you are creating, right? There's gonna be that voice in your head that's like, this isn't good. Or you sure you wanna do that? Try as best you can to silence that voice write as much as you can, get into a practice of writing every single day and just not worrying about if it's good or not, just writing and you'll get things that are good. Um, I think the big thing that Lee and I have done is we just, if there's something we wanna see in the world, we just have jumped into it and made it and <laughs> hoped and prayed that it would be good, you know? Um, but I do think just having the intention of making something that you feel is important, even if only a few people listen to it, or even, even a few people are impacted by that, that is worth it. So I'd say, don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid, like don't put too heavy expectations on yourself. Just make something that you like, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I love that you touch upon the notion that it was a collaborative writing experience. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, certainly my experience in schooling, we never did that, right? Like it was always solitary. And I know that that's, you know, some teachers are getting much more experimental with looking at, no, there's huge value in writing as collaboration. And I love that you bring it up that yes, in a, in the so-called real world, uh, that's, that's how writers work. And I'm wondering yes. just as sort of a, you know, a final word 
for teachers who are thinking, yes, I do want to help my students have more of those collaborative writing experiences. Was there anything for you and your writing partner in terms of like structure or expectations or just workflow that made that process um, either more productive or just simply more enjoyable? Yeah, that's a good, that is a good question. Um, In terms of like logistics of how we do our collaboration, I would say do a combination of alone and together, right? So you take a little bit of time alone, get as much ideas as you can out. Then I would take a little bit of time alone, work on the song, and then we'd come together. And then we could talk about, oh, I really like what you did there. I really like what you did there. Let's fix this. Let's change this. So yeah, I would say that worked the best for us to have a little bit of time and space to throw out some ideas on our own and then come together. But I think everyone collaborates differently. So that's what worked for us. It might not work for you. Um, But yeah, I think that's like logistically what I would recommend. And also um, just celebrating the small things. Like as a collaborator, when we would have meetings where we'd be like, oh, do you like this? Do you like this? Do you like this? Then at the end of the meeting, just listen to the thing and say, this is actually really cool that we have made this. Like, give yourself positive affirmation because you did this thing. That makes sense. It absolutely does. And it's simultaneously, I think, great advice for folks who are listening to this episode. It's the summer. uh, And I know some of us are getting back together with family for the first time. So some alone time and some together time is also great advice for that context (laughs) too. Um, And you know, the the, the flame absolutely is a great, cool thing to listen to. So it's good to hear that you've been celebrating it along the way. I am certainly looking forward to um, catching up with the the final episodes. And as you said, you've got sort of a season two in mind, perhaps in the works, where's the best place for listeners to go to kind of watch for news about that as it, as it comes. Yeah, you can follow us at The Flame Musical on all of our social media accounts. We have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, And if you want to listen, you can listen at bpn.fm slash The Flame. We're on the Broadway Podcast Network. So that's bpn.fm, Broadway Podcast Network. Um, And I'm sure we will have all kinds of updates as they come. Um, You can also join our Patreon, as you mentioned earlier, that is at patreon.com slash the flame musical. We have a lot of big goals for the musical itself. And so anyone who joins our Patreon is really joining us on that journey from start to finish, hopefully from your ears to a stage eventually. (laughs) So we'd love to see some of you there. That's fantastic. And on the last episode of this podcast, uh, we were talking about making sure that, you know, pride that we don't feel like it's just come to a crashing halt now that June is over. So listeners, if you're looking for action or you're looking to direct others to take action throughout the rest of the year, um, that's a great action that you can take. So I'll be sure in the show notes to link over to that Patreon page, um, as well as the other resources we've discussed on today's episode. Thank you so much. It's been really hard for me to not call you Jamie. I feel like I've done it. <laughs> I haven't called you Jamie at any point. Thank, Thank you so you. much for, for giving up your time. It was great to learn a little bit more about all of the behind the scenes of The Flame. Thank you so much for having me.